0: Thank you for being here. We're studying through the book of Revelation. and If you don't mind, I want to read something to you that maybe, maybe it ought to be a reminder. I don't know. If you recall, I came into this book telling you it was going to be a bumpy road. I told you that. If you don't believe me, go back and listen to the tape. I told you to study this book is not going to be for the weak of heart, the faint of heart. I told you to study this book, is going to be a time of of a commitment. But I also told you it was going to be a blessing, and not by my authority, nor by my word. It says in the first chapter, when we started weeks ago, months ago now, I guess, it says in the third verse of the first chapter, blessed is the person who reads, and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things that are written in this book, for the time is near. The time of the coming of our Lord, we are told, is near. It will happen quickly. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be tomorrow or the next day, although it could. But it is coming. Now we are studying through a book that has capsulated the time. It is in the future We don't know when this is going to take place. We only know this is something we're studying to be blessed by. So that we can read these words, so that we can hear these words, so that by the grace of God we can take heed the things that are written within it. Because the time is near. We need to be prepared. And so we study faithfully, I I pray. Trying to measure each word that we study to see what does it all mean. We come here to the thirteenth chapter. If you would turn with me to the thirteenth chapter of the book of Revelation, we come to the thirteenth chapter, and we are in what is called a a a, a, a a a respite. I don't even know the right word. It's a a prelude. We're not in we're not in the action right now. The action was the the judgments that fell on the earth. First, there were the seal judgments. Then came. Seven of them. Then then there were the trumpet judgments. Seven of them. And now we are in a place of pause between the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments. And once the bowl judgments begin to fall, then all hell is going to break loose. Because we will then be in what the Bible calls the last days. The great tribulation where there will only be three and one half years left, 42 months, 1,260 days. And as we've been already told, Satan realizes now that his time is short. He only has a short time to capture as many people as he can, kill them so that he is assured that they will be in hell with him. And so we come and we study this. And, and, and I ask myself probably the same thing you ask. What, what does this mean to me today? What does this mean to me and your Belinda on, on, on this Christmas season in the year 2011? What does this mean to me? And, and I promise you, I promise you that it means much to you. But I don't know what that's going to mean. I can only promise you that you will be blessed by reading these words You will be blessed by heeding these words and hearing them. And you will be blessed because you and I will realize that the time is near. We need to prepare ourselves for this coming day so that we can warn, so that we can be that voice, so that we can be light to this dark world in which we live, so that we can be salt, so as to help and bring people to Christ if need be, if possibly. And so here we are in the 13th chapter. And now we are introduced to what is called commonly the unholy trio. Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet who come to counterfeit the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and now we see them face to face as you would through scripture i would love for you to read with me starting in the 20, or the 17th verse of chapter 12 because it is a it's kind of a um, the pause between chapters 12 and 13 uh, is not very uh, it, it doesn't need to be there In verse 17 of chapter 12, it says, The dragon was enraged with the woman. The woman, we learned, is Israel. And so he went off to make war with the rest of her offspring, those who keep the commandments of God and those who hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. And then he stood on the sand of the seashore. And John writes, I saw a beast. Coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, Satan, gave him his power, and his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain. And his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to wage war with him? And was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies. And authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And he opened his mouth and blasphemies against God and blasphemed his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and every people and tongue and nation was given to him. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. Verse 9 says, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he'll go. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance of the faith of the saints. And then in verse 11, I want you to be introduced to the other beast. And so it says in verse 11, John writes, I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. And he spoke as a dragon. What does that mean? I mean, really. If you were given a project to study that and preach it next week, what would you think? Ten horns, seven heads, diadems. What's going on here? Leopard, bear, lion? What is the Lord trying to say? A beast coming up out of the sea, another out of the earth? What does it mean? I'd love to try to explain it to you this morning. I'd love to try to share it with you this morning so that maybe it can make sense, so that it can impact you and me today, where we live right now. These are things that are going to happen in the future. These are things that you and I, if you entrusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we will not have to go through. We will be in heaven, the Bible seems to teach, that we will be raptured in in heaven observing all of these things. But what does it mean to us? It means much, really. It means a lot when you think about it. It means so much when when we have the ability right now to live our lives in such a fashion that we can impact others. What more can we ask? And so I'd like for you to pray with me that that God would give us sense of this place of Scripture and and that He, not myself, would teach us. Up on the board, you're going to see verses that we're going to go through. I want to to share something with you. The first place I ever went to church that I carried a Bible was in Eugene, Oregon, where I married my very beautiful wife, Cave. We went to a church that was pastored by Dr. Jack MacArthur. One of the most godly men. And, man, listening to him was, I was the first one in church every week. You ask, hey, we got there early. We sat in our normal place every week, and we came to hear the music. Didn't want to miss a note. We came to give unto the Lord. I didn't. I didn't want to give. I figured, let Dr. Jack make his own living. And my wife taught me what it meant to really give unto the Lord. Today I'd be fearful not to give. And then we came to hear the Word preached. Dr. Jack didn't have verses up on the wall like we do now. We didn't have that in those days. And so when he asked us to turn to a place in Scripture, I I had just received my first Bible. I didn't know the book of Genesis from the book of Revelation. And so when he said, turn to Haggai Haggai, you've got to be kidding. It's not alphabetized. And the person that gave me the Bible didn't give me one that had names in it, you know, marked on the side. I'm trying to find that. was impossible. By the time I found it, if I did, he was already gone. And so I wasn't even hearing the message. I was searching for words, search scripture. So my suggestion to you, if you want to use that, is, is write them down. And if you can't turn and find the page right away, don't worry, listen, listen. Let the Lord speak to your heart and then afterwards you can go back over the verses and and see what they mean to you and underline them and mark them if you so desire. But what I want more than anything in this world for you and for me is that we grow in our faith in our trust and our love of Jesus Christ. That when we walk into this Christmas, it'll be a Christmas like never before. It'll be a Christmas full of love and appreciation and worship of that baby born in a manger. Let's pray. Father, please, please. Open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law. Oh, Father, please move me aside so that we can be taught. Father, speak to us in that still quiet voice that comes within the very middle of who we are, the very essence of who we are. Speak to us. Convict us. Comfort us conform us, whatever it takes, Father, you do. There are too many here that any one man could preach and reach everybody. That's, for anyone to think that would be possible, it's just not. It's you, Father, that does it through your word. So we're just trying to be faithful. That's all we're trying to be, Lord. Faithful to you, faithful to one another. So would you please, Father, minister to us teach us i pray father in jesus most precious name amen i told you this before i was thinking about it while i was praying open up our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from La that's i never thought of that first of course that's scripture i sat with a man who was in his late 90s who learned the bible while he was in jail he was in jail way back in the day. Way, way back in the day. day. He was a bad person. Someone uh, gave him a Bible, and he didn't have any light. And the only light came after the late hours was from a light that was outside his jail. And he said, God gave him a crack in the ceiling so the light shined through. And he read the, he read the Bible like this. He let the light shine on each word, and he just read it. You know, he just kind of moved the Bible, so it, the light shined on each word, and he memorized most of the New Testament. And he told me, don't ever go to God without asking him, out of Psalms 119, to open up your eyes, that you might behold wonderful things from his law. So I say that every week, as if it were mine. It's not. I've stolen everything I ever had. When I asked that the Lord would move me aside, that he would be seen, you know who said that? Dr. Jack MacArthur. I say that in honor of him. And I mean it. I don't believe that God is going to bless you and me unless I can get out of the way. I don't know why I'm so teary teary today, but I am. So please forgive me. Maybe it's because of where we are in Scripture. It's a terrible time. All hell is broken loose. As we've already studied, a third and then a half of the people were dead, killed. The, the earth was, was ravaged with pestilence, with, with, with earthquakes. It just was terrible. Terrible. Waters became like blood. Bitter, you couldn't drink. People were dying all over the place and they were just at wit's end. What were they to do? They were looking for someone to be a leader. Someone, anybody, please come and bring us hope in the midst of despair. Let me share you something that's relevant for you and me today. We're living in a time that's difficult. If you're not, God bless you. But for most of us, we are. And if you're looking for your hope to the next whomever, you'll not find it. Unless your hope is grounded in Jesus Christ, you will never really experience hope. You'll never really experience all that God has for you until you settle your heart and your mind upon the only one that can truly give you and me hope. But now in this time in the tribulation, they're they're looking for someone, anyone that will give them hope. They will be desperately seeking a strong leader to pull the world back from the very brink of disaster. So what they are longing for, Satan's going to give them. They're going to, get, they're going to find their peace. They're going to find some sort of a semblance of order, but it's going to be very, very short-lived. As we've already learned, Satan now knows that he only has a short time. By that, the Bible says he has 42 months, three and one-half years, 1,260 days. That's all that's left for him, and he knows it. And he's going to take as many people to hell with him as he possibly can. And so they bring upon someone that they think is going to be the answer. He is a powerful military and political leader. We will know him as the Antichrist. But let me tell you, in the broadest sense, out of 1 John 2, verse 22, it says this, John writes, Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This, John writes, is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Jesus warned in Mark chapter 13, verse 6. He says, Many are going to come in my name. They're going to say, I am he, and they will mislead many. He goes on to say in that same chapter in Mark 13, 13, verses 21 and 22. If someone comes to you, he says, and says, behold, here is the Christ, or behold, there he is, don't believe them. He says, because in verse 22, false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show signs and wonders in order to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Well, I read you those verses because here in chapter 13 of the book of Revelation, we see two beasts who become the Antichrist and the false prophet. One, in verse 1, we see is the beast who comes up out of the sea. Now what in the world does that mean? He is the political leader. He is the, the military might. He will become the Antichrist. Look at him. Verse 3, I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain. There was a fatal wound on his head. The whole earth was amazed and followed after him. And they worshipped the the dragon because he gave his authority, authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast and they said, Who is like the beast? Who will be able to wage war with him? No one can because he will be a military powerhouse, whoever he is, a political leader. The other one we see in verse 11 is, is the beast who, who comes up out of the earth, it says. Now, what does that mean? And he becomes the religious leader. He becomes the false prophet. These two beasts, along with Satan, form what is commonly called the unholy trinity. Typical of Satan. He wants to counterfeit everything our Lord does. There is the triune Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here comes Satan along with the Antichrist and the false prophet to counterfeit what the Lord has brought to this earth. In chapter 12, and verse 9, we say, we remember that Satan was thrown down from heaven. And here in chapter 13, and verse 1, it is, In the first words of verse 1, it says, And he stood on the sand of the seashore. That's Satan. Satan is, is standing on the sand of the seashore. And then up out of the sea, we see comes a beast. While in verse 11, out of the earth comes the false prophet. What does it mean, comes out of the sea? What does it mean, comes out of the earth? It's imperative that you and I know. Scripture will always explain Scripture. The best place that you can find out a meaning of something in Scripture is to find the nearest place that you can see it translated the same way. Look with me, please, at chapter 17 in the book of Revelation. And we see in chapter 17, and verse 15, John says, And he said to me, the waters, in other words, the sea, which you saw where the harlot sits, are people, multitudes, nations, and tongues. In other words, the sea represents the world, the earth as it is during the great tribulation, the multitudes of people. Out of the multitudes of people will come one man, a political, military leader, who will come and be possessed by Satan or one of his demons. While out of the earth comes the second beast. The earth has always been symbolic of Palestine. The land, Israel. The second beast comes from Israel, the earth. And he becomes a counterfeit Messiah. You see, Israel, in fact, is this one is to become the false prophet, the 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 false Messiah, then he must come from Israel. You see, Israel would not accept him unless he had come from their land, the earth of of Israel. And he was considered to be one of them, just as Jesus is. If you'll note in verse 11, this second beast has two horns, like a lamb, suggesting he imitates Jesus Christ the Lamb of God, the true Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of this world, John chapter 1, verse 29 tells us. But he has only two horns. The first beast has ten horns. It just simply indicates that, that the second beast is not as powerful, not as a, has as much authority as the first beast. We left Satan off. In chapter 12, verse 17, he was enraged with Israel. Couldn't touch her because God protected Israel and anyone else who trusted and believed in the Messiah. And so he took them to a place where he nourished them, as it says, for 42 months, three and one-half years, the rest of the tribulation. So verse 1 finds Satan standing on the sand of the seashore. In other words, before all the people of this earth. And out of the people of this earth comes this one man, the Antichrist, who proclaims that he will bring peace to this earth for everyone. In Satan, it says, gives him his power, gives him his authority, gives him his rule over all the people and all the earth. He does signs and wonders, and he's an amazing individual. He has ten horns, seven heads on his horns, ten diadems. It simply means horns, head, diadems, power, authority, rule. Simple as that. Satan has the same, but in different order. We notice on on Satan, back in chapter 12, and verse 3, he has seven heads and ten horns on his heads, whereas the the beast has his horns on the... uh, uh, the diadems are on his horns, which indicates very clearly that Satan is in control of all of this. And we surmise from that that the beast is a human being that rises up from among his own peers... And he becomes possessed by one of either Satan himself or the demons, one. And they help God. I mean, they, excuse me, they help Satan overtake God to bring everyone to worship the dragon, Satan. And that's what he wanted from the very beginning, to be worshipped. And to everyone who refuses, they are martyred, killed. And how does he accomplish this? Well, it's quite simple, really. I want you to see this, so I will wait for you to get there if you wish, because I didn't put it on the board. I added this last night. Would you look with me at Luke chapter 22? Hold your place here. Turn back to the left, of course. And if you go to the first book, Matthew, then there's Mark, and then there's Luke, and I'm going to wait, because I want you to see this. Because it's relevant to what is happening here with uh, the Antichrist and with the false prophet as well. Satan loves to use people. I want you to know this, though. He cannot possess any of you and any of us who believe and trust in Jesus Christ because as we learned last week in 1 John 4:4, greater is he who is in you than he is in this world. He cannot possess you. But he can take hold of someone who is denied the deity of Christ. Take, he can take hold of someone who is, has another, another agenda He did that to Judas Iscariot. Do you remember? Judas wanted to betray Jesus Christ. He did so for 30 pieces of silver, did he not? And he betrayed Jesus before his death on the cross. But in Luke chapter 22, we read very clearly in verse 3. Got it? Satan entered into Judas, who was called Iscariot. Satan entered into Judas who belong to the number of the twelve. In other words, imagine this now. Jesus Christ chose him amongst one of the twelve. I don't know. But here he is betraying our Lord. And what does he do? Look, verse 4, And he, that means Satan, not just Judas, but he, meaning he and Satan, went away and discussed with the chief priests and the officers, how they may betray him, Jesus, to them. You see, Judas was not alone when he went to speak to the religious leaders who wished to kill Jesus Christ. No, Satan went with him and most likely spoke for him, through him, to these people possessing his body. Jesus Christ said, if you turn back to chapter 13 of, of Revelation, Jesus said in Matthew 24th chapter, 21st, 2nd verse, He said, These days will be times like never before. We've already told you this. We are in a time in the, th- this earth in which it is at that time in the great tribulation like th- that, that has never happened before, and the Bible says it will never be like it again. And it says, if it were not for God to stop all of this, no one would have survived. Satan would have wanted to kill everybody. Now what we see is a very interesting statement. We see the beast was like a leopard, like a bear, like a lion, it says. In verse 2 of chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. What does that mean? Well, it emphasized the characteristics of the nations that were... Represented during the time that this was really written in the book of Daniel. This is a quote straight out of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 3 through 7, where Daniel mentions the bear, the lion, and the leopard. You see, the lion was a symbol of Babylon, the bear was a symbol of Medo Persia, and the leopard, well, the leopard represented the swift conquest of Alexander the Great in Greece. If you read Daniel chapter 7, you're going to note something. The lion, the bear, and the leopard have been reversed. Why is that? Is there a discrepancy in the Word of God? No. Daniel is looking at the event that is going to happen. hasn't happened yet, so he sees it in that order. John looks back where it always already happened, so he sees it in the opposite order. Simple as that. Scripture explaining itself. John looking backwards, Daniel looking forward. And so in verse 1, this man who becomes possessed by Satan comes out of the sea of humanity of people and he becomes the beast, the Antichrist. He's explained in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. It says, He will be the one who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship. He'll take his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself to be God. His purpose is to make mankind fall under the leadership of the, of the dragon, Satan. Like his evil master, Satan, this Antichrist, in verse 5, was given a mouth speaking arrogant words of blasphemy, authority, to act for these 42 months. this three and one half years. In verse 6, we are told he opens up his mouth and he blasphemes against God. He blasphemes God's name. He blasphemes God's tabernacle. That is, those who dwell in it. He's blaspheming you and me. And it was given to him, it says in verse 7, The ability to make war with the saints and overcome them. That means the tribulation believers. Anyone who lagged behind. Anyone who did not rush off to this place of protection that God gave to Israel and all that believed in His Son, Jesus Christ. Anyone who lagged behind. He was given the power to overcome them and kill them. To make war with them. Again, that's not us. We are in heaven. Now it says in verse 3 that... That, that John saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, he said. Interesting. said it was a fatal wound, and it was healed. And the whole earth, it says, was amazed and followed after the beasts. It's a counterfeit of Jesus Christ, is it not? When I first came to believe and trust in Jesus Christ, shortly thereafter... John Kennedy, the President of the United States at that time, was shot in the head. And I heard throughout Christendom, if he rises from the dead, he's going to be the Antichrist. Be careful. I mean, I heard that over and over again. I'm saying, who's the Antichrist? How is he going to rise from the dead? I I was beside myself. I couldn't figure out what everyone was talking about. And they were talking about this time, the time of the tribulation. Well, of course, he did not rise from the dead. But this one does. He is an imitation of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. And people, we are told that people believe, they believe this lie, and yet you and I tell them of the true Savior, the true one who was born in the manger, that he goes to the cross, sheds his blood, dies for your sin, and will give you everlasting life. <laughs> and they go, you've got to be kidding me. And they won't believe it. And yet it says here that people will believe they were amazed and they will follow after him. We are told in 2 Thessalonians 2:11 2, and don't ask me why God says he sends upon them a deluding influence so that they believe what is false. Verse 7 Satan and his beast is going to overcome them it says overcome the saints. You know what he cannot touch you and me? today as we live today this this evil whatever evil there is in this world cannot touch you or my soul can't picked out a verse in, in scripture it's in in matthew it's the 10th chapter the 28th verse it reminds us says this listen don't fear anyone who can kill your body but are unable to kill your soul Rather, it says, fear the one who is able to destroy both your soul and your body in hell. That's the one that you and I have to make peace with, and he has given us the ability to do so by overcoming. That's our victory, our faith, trusting in Jesus Christ. Then we will become overcomers it says in verse 8 that those who dwell on the earth are going to worship him. Worship the beast. Now we've learned over and over again, those who dwell on the earth are unbelievers. They are the unbelievers that are living during the great tribulation. We know that their names are, in verse 8, their names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. And then a warning comes, out of nowhere. Verse 9 it says, if you have an ear, Hear. It's used 15 times in the New Testament to emphasize the importance of what is about to be said. And what is about to be said in verse 10 is this. If, if you're destined to captivity, to captivity you're going to go. And if you're going to be killing with a sword, with a sword you're going to be killed. Basically it's saying to, you're to depend upon God. that you, you can't change what God has for you in, in essence. You can't or shouldn't take matters into your own hands. Peter says it well in 1 Peter 4 19. He says, Those who suffer according to the will of God should entrust their souls to the faithful Creator in doing what is right. Then in verse 11, we close it all out by by saying there's another beast, and this one comes up out of the earth, and we learn that's Israel. He has two horns like a lamb. But he spoke as a dragon. John now introduces us to the false prophet, the the religious part of Satan's trio. The Antichrist was the military leader, the political leader. The second beast, he's the religious leader. He is a false prophet. Satan's major weapon throughout all of time has been deception. Jesus said to those who are following after other religions, he said in John chapter 8, you, he says, if you don't follow me, he said, you are of your father the devil. He is a liar. He has been a liar from the very beginning. He is the father of lies, it says in John chapter 8, verse 44. Second Corinthians tells us that he disguises himself as an angel of light to deceive us. From his first appearance that we saw in the book of Genesis, the third chapter in the Garden of Eden, until we will see him in chapter 20 of the book of Revelation at the final appearance of himself in the millennium, Satan's goal is to confuse people. It is said of him in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, the fourth chapter, the fourth verse, in whose case the God of this world, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So there it is, folks. That's what you and I are to be to this world. We're to be light to darkness. We're to be salt so that the earth might see and taste the wonders of our Savior. We're to learn the Word of God, know the Word of God, be committed to the Word of God so as to affect people with the very essence of our Savior so that they might, by the grace of God, come to know and trust and believe in Him. So this false prophet comes upon the scene. I want you to listen to Moses' warning. This is in the Old Testament. Just listen. It's in Deuteronomy 13. Moses says, If a prophet... Or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign of the wonder comes true, concerning what he spoke to you, saying, "Let us go after other gods. Gods whom you have not known. Let's serve these other gods." It says in verse three of Deuteronomy 13, "Don't listen to their words. Don't listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul. You'll follow the Lord your God. Fear Him. Keep His commandments. Listen to His voice. Serve Him. Cling to Him. That's why we study what we do here. That's why we try to understand this. Listen, I want to tell you something. I've already reasoned this in my heart. I don't know if you've ever think this way, but if all of you, all of you were to say, it's, it's not true, John, none of this is true. It's not, he's not the Savior. And you say, I'm gone. I want to say to you, I'm not going. I'm in here. I'm in there for the haul. I'm, not, I'm in long haul. I have no one else to turn to. He is truly my only hope, and that's what I'm clinging to. And I'm going down with him to the bitter end. But I don't believe it's going to be the bitter end. I believe it's glory. And so I've already made up my mind. I don't care what and who and anything. I'm following Jesus Christ. I can only imagine what it'll be like to be with him. When Jesus Christ spoke on the Sermon on the Mount, one of the last things he said was this. He said, beware of false prophets. They're going to come to you in sheep's clothing, but they're going to be like ravenous wolves. Now there are so many references to false prophets in the New Testament, I can't even begin to tell you. I, I decided not even to go any, to, to look any of them up. It's enough what Jesus Christ said, beware of false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing, but they're ravenous wolves. And so Satan counterfeits God the Father. The Antichrist counterfeits Jesus Christ and the false prophet comes upon the scene to complete this satanic false triunity of of this fake Godhead. He comes counterfeiting the Holy Spirit. And so we see the false prophet, the Antichrist, and Satan standing side by side here in the 13th chapter and it ought to make you tremble. One, a political ruler, military might. Another, a religious leader. And the religious leader, the false prophet, is going to proclaim over and over again that the Antichrist is the one that you ought to place your hope upon. The Antichrist is the one that will give you salvation on this earth in which you live. And there will become many people that will come to us today, where we live right now. In the days and the months and the years ahead, if the Lord should tarry saying, I am the hope. I am the hope. And if you trust in that, I'm telling you, you're going to lose in the end. The only hope that you and I have is Jesus Christ. That's it. It is, there is no other hope. The writer of the book of Acts says it so clearly. Listen. He doesn't stutter. He says, there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which you and I must be saved. It's Jesus. Clearly, it is Jesus. And so I proclaim to you, and I sound the trumpet, as many do here in this wonderful church. We sound the trumpet that Jesus Christ is the way, and we ask you to become involved, to be a part to live your life in such a fashion that you will be light into this darkened world in which we live. So you'll be salt on this earth. That's what's applicable to today. Your only hope, my only hope, our only hope is Jesus Christ. This we've got to learn so that we understand what we believe in. Father, please help us to to learn. Keep us faithful to your word and faithful to one another, I pray, Father, in Jesus' most precious name. Now bless us as we go. and Also, Father, may we bless you wherever you might take us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all, and again, Merry Christmas. I'll see you next week. God bless you.